podcast every week. I'll share leadership thoughts, books I'm reading, or tools I'm using to teach leadership skills. I believe everyone has influence. Every family, school, church, city, country is determined by its capacity for effective leadership. So let's jump in. Well, welcome to the Leadership Podcast. We are talking about resilience. This is part two of a three-part talk on resilience. By the way, my good dear friend Ryan Hawk in the Learning Leader Show uh, just did a session uh, a couple sessions ago with Neil Pasricha about resilience. You want to check that out on the Learning Leader Show but my guest in this series is my son, Austin McMahon, who has just, I, I just love as an emerging leader and uh, what he's demonstrated in his own life in terms of resilience and uh, just good to get another voice. Last session, we talked about hope as a muscle, hope as a way of critically thinking through what are my goals, what's my path, what alternative routes do I need to take? Do I have an inventory of hope in my past that allows me to say, I can do this. I'm made of the stuff that lasts. And so resilient people grow hope. One of the other findings that Brené Brown has in her research on this, and I love her writing because it's, it's, it's not anecdotal, it's research, is the second aspect, Austin, is resilient people have a critical awareness they reality check messages and, and, and these cultural expectations that drive these, you're not good enough, you're not good enough, you should just give up because you're not good enough, what she calls gremlins, the, the not good enough gremlins. And so sustainable leaders, when we wake up in the morning until we fall on our pillow at night, we realize that there are going to be these messages that come our way that we're bombarded by. One of the interesting things is she notes that the advertising industry is a $200 billion a year industry. On average today, you, I, we are going to receive 3,000 messages, advertisements, on average. Hmm. That's stunning. When you think about the implications of that to that high school student who who is on social media and, and which is all advertisement driven that is mm-hmm. constantly saying, you're not pretty enough. You're not smart enough. You're not thin enough. You're not talented enough, but that's true as leaders. There's this constant, uh, you're, you're getting measured. I'm measured against Joel Osteen. I'm measured against, you know, there's this constant measuring. That's, I told you yesterday, I spent a lot of time in this perfectionism series. I'm in at church right now. And I spent a lot of time looking again at Paul's autobiography in 2 Corinthians 11, where he says, "Here's I'll go ahead and tell you my credentials to be a real apostle, because people were doubting his apostleship. They were, they were doubting his credibility to be a leader. Well, welcome to leadership. And so you have to have this, this capacity of critical thinking. And what's really been helping me, and I taught this last night at Players Box, these three questions, and I want to get your comments on these, that you have to ask yourself, whenever you get a message, a criticism, an evaluation that says what you're doing and what you're leading is less than adequate, and when the reality is, I don't know a leader who's not trying to do their best, right? They're They're just giving it their best shot. Number one. 
Is what I'm seeing or hearing real? Do these images and messages convey real life or fantasy? So here you are, Paul told Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young as a leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a really good chance that Timothy was in his 40s when Paul said that, um, which the older I get, definitely 40s seems young. <laughs> What's Austin McMahon's way of processing that same question? Is what I'm seeing or hearing real? Because this gets into a boundary issue. I assume everything's not until I investigate. Everyone. Okay. So that's that's I, I I trust myself far more than I trust anyone else, um, and yeah. that was justified reason. I believe you are at the mercy of every criticism that comes your way, unless you have a standard at which to measure it by first that you believe is truth. So Peter had a standard to measure false doctrine by. He said, "Look at Paul's letters. He speaks yeah. the truth." Paul had a standard of which to measure all these these pseudo-Christian beliefs and heresies by, because what he first received and he passed on the first words to the other people, of what resurrection was, and he's battling this non-bodily resurrection in, in, in 1 Corinthians 15. And this is an argument against, mm-hmm. no, it's a physical body. You know, so he has a standard to measure false teachings by. And I think if you don't, if the first step is, 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 is just establishing a um, what your standard is to measure things by. And my standard is, is uh, yeah. are those especially those, uh, um, those epistles and those, those um, pastoral and church epistles. Mm-hmm. Do you, you know, so here's the thing is, you know, that in the leadership, we have to have a security of self enough to say, now what part of that is true? So I often use the example in 2 Samuel 16, when Shimei calls down curses on David and he says, you are a murderer and, and, and Abishai says, David, you got the men, you got the means, knock this guy out, man. And David's response is, how do I not know that the Spirit of God did not say to him, call down curses on David? Which is just an idiomatic way of saying, well, what part of this is true? Well, part mm-hmm. that he was a murderer was actually true. And so, as leaders, the self-awareness and the sense of security to say, nope, that's not going to stick to me. But you know what? I need to hear this. I needed to hear that criticism. Mm-hmm. So, for example, uh, I have such a passion for inclusion for that guy or gal who's outside looking in at, at the faith community that I know one of my weaknesses is I can be um, too inclusive and not challenging enough. What for you is a recent, I needed to hear this message because I needed to hear this truth. Boy, um, I don't know. I don't know if I have, I have one uh, of a truth I learned. Um, I suppose I was, I was affirmed and um, that Going by what you what you're saying there, you know, I, I think I have to remind myself I I serve sound doctrine before I serve people. I serve people through that sound doctrine. Mm-hmm. I think that's I, I don't know, yeah, that's okay. the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. So question number one is what I'm seeing real. Number two, do these images and messages reflect healthy, wholehearted living? Or do these messages turn my life, my body, my family, my relationships, etc., into objects and commodities? 
Number three, who benefits by my seeing these images and feeling bad about myself? And hint, as she's reflecting on particularly the advertising industry, that these messages are always about money and or control. Now, with all due apologies to my friends in the advertising industry, Mm -hmm. there's some truth there in that what messages does culture give you combining those two questions that you need to let fall off you? Well, I think marketing, number one, is very very, um, true and and, and wise. It plays to uh, money, sex, and power. So, uh, mm-hmm. uh, so your 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 resources, money, um, your capable of capability of reproducing life, sex, and your um, territory, power. So these are very these are three intrinsic things to humanity. So they are they are they're not making things up. They're going at what you really yeah, do need. You need it. the things they are giving you. Yeah, but. I think it goes back to what's what's your standard of, of 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 how you get those things, and 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 for me, it it um, it's it's not just some um, fluffy thing, but uh, if I ground myself and that man does not live on resource those resources alone, those those things alone, bread alone, um, I think you know the temptation in the desert of of Jesus, he he has given those three things to to a degree, and uh, man does not live on bread alone, but the word of God, and so for me. That's where that's mm-hmm. that standard of which I judge by, and then everything else comes from there. Mm-hmm. I love this imagery because one of the things a leader who has shame is so vulnerable to those messages because they seem to be a quick fix. So I'll I'll do a quick fix. Shame is that sense that there's something within me that is empty, not whole, distorted. And I need to fill that in with my achievement. I need to fill that in with my accomplishment. And so people who are shame-based, there's an adequacy to me that's not inadequate to other people, are very susceptible to those money, sex, and power images mm-hmm. and messages. But a resilient leader has a shame resilience. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I ask you, so shame resilience starts with my identity. Uh, for me, it's I'm a beloved child of the Most High God with supreme value and worth just as I am today. I have to start there. That's my point of reference. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if not, then I become susceptible to false, false messages about my worth and value and effectiveness as such. What's your, what's your identity statement? Like if you have to say today, what is, who is Austin McMahon? I've never thought, I've, I've, I, I, I could get lost in that question probably. I've, I've never, um, I, don't, I try not to think about myself too much. Um, I think I've done enough of good. that in my life. Yeah, that's good. Um, I'm, I, and I try to be self-aware, but there's a difference between just thinking about myself and defining myself and being self-aware, and that would be a good antidote for, can be dangerous. for humanity right now. Yeah. They think plenty about themselves, but they're not very self-aware. It's a very, uh, just a, it's like spinning wheels in mud. I, I think discipline. I think I just, like, I, I don't, I, I'm probably a shame-based person, but what's more true about me is that I'm someone that gets my ass out of bed at 4:30 to read the Psalms, and like I'm just that's doing action. that. I'm just doing. Yeah, yeah. And so I don't know. That's and that that like that's like who are you? That's who I am. I don't yeah. know. I just I just I just I just gotta I gotta do that. Um, five Psalms a day to keep me right with God. One Psalm a day. One proverb a day to keep me right with man. Like Billy Graham said. And I I, I think if I just immerse myself in that discipline enough. 
criticisms and and and, and no doubts doubt. come, but I, I they, just they I'm just of, I'm honestly just too busy with disciplines. Yeah, I, th- I, th- yeah. I think I think it's a it's a it's a, it's a, it's a kind of a elementary way to go about it. Mm-hmm. But it's just keeping things really simple. Just get up at four thirty and read the Psalms. Yes, yeah. that's and, and let everything else come from there. I quote this to close, shame works like the zoom lens on a camera. When we are feeling shame, the camera is zoomed in tight and we all, and all we see is our flawed selves alone and struggling. And we think to ourselves, I'm the only one with the muffin, muffin top, really? Am I the only one with a family who is messy, loud, and out of control? Am I the only one not having sex 4.3 times per week with a Calvin Klein model? Something is wrong with me, I'm alone. But when we zoom out, we start to see a completely different picture. We see many people in the same struggle, and rather than thinking, am I the only one, we start thinking, I can't believe it. You too, really. I'm normal. I thought it was just me. And once we start seeing the big picture, we're able to reality check our shame triggers and the messages and expectations were never good enough. And so when we talk about resilience, it's, it's taking the big picture so that the little just you know, prick points that would try to, little paper cuts that would try to bring us down, don't, they, they don't affect us deeply. Today, do something that makes a statement about your true identity as a leader, especially in God, and, and a declaration of who you are, a declaration of your point of center, your point of reference, Turn it into a discipline and a habit. And turn it into a habit because we are the function of those habits that we do every day that affirm that reality of who we are. Mm-hmm. Until next time on the Leadership Podcast with my guest, Austin McMahon. This is Charlie McMahon. Thanks for listening. Tune in every week as we continue learning and growing in faith, in life, and leadership. And if this has been helpful to you, Subscribe and spread the word, and I will talk to you next week.